Daily Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 156, from Cessna to F-16, one pilot's dream come true, coming up in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Well, welcome to the Stuck Mike Avcast. Today we have a special guest. Uh, there's not going to be any picks of the week because of it, but it's somebody that actually, it, it's, this is so exciting because it's somebody that I've always wanted to reveal what he actually does for a living, and it's somebody you've heard on this podcast often and has some really, really exciting news. But wait, before we get started, a quick uh, uh, message from our sponsor. A sponsor of the podcast is Aviation Careers Podcast, aviationcareerspodcast.com. And uh, we have career coaching, scholarships, and also great information about interviews with different airlines. And that's free for download at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Of course, the coaching is uh, something that you can do throughout the life of your career. We actually have a bunch of counselors that will help you move forward in your career. Currently, we have a 100% success rate with our interviews at the airlines. Let's do the pre-flight. Also, another uh, announcement I have is uh, uh, Jake Sakura. Congratulations. We uh, just came back from the National Intercollegiate Flight Association SafeCon regional event over in Auburn, Alabama, and Jake was able to land a job with a, on a regional jet at Republic Airlines. He was able to get an interview at the, at the regional competition and secure that job yesterday. So congratulations, Jake. Uh, also, if you're looking for where we'll be and what we're doing, go to facebook.com stuckmikeavcast, and some of these announcements will be out there. Now entering cruise flight. Let's get started with this episode and our cruise flight. Uh, you know, we, we actually today have with us a, a former co-host, hopefully to have on often from here now on in, and uh, now a television reporter for NBC affiliate uh, KSL 5 in Utah, Sean Moody. Sean's a private pilot and had a fortunate opportunity to fly in an F-16, uh, and uh, gosh, Sean, this is really, really awesome to have you back on the podcast. So welcome to the podcast, Sean. Yeah, good to be back. Appreciate uh, appreciate you guys having me back on. It's been a bit. It has been a bit, and you know, all of us on the podcast, we really don't talk about our, or some of us can't talk about our day day jobs, and like myself and all, without doing all these uh, different disclaimers. And it's really cool that I can finally we're, we're coming out today with you and, and realizing that yes, you are <laughs> you are a, a a true reporter and uh, somebody with a, a very very extensive journalism background. Uh, and because of that, you've actually had some exciting opportunities. One of them is obviously this, being able to fly in an F-16 and some other events that you've been able to go to. And, uh, and I think that's a true blessing for somebody who, who's very much involved in aviation. Um, but before we get started about this whole F-16 ride that you, you, you got to, to go on, number, where are you in your, your journey as far as aviation? I know you got your private and you're working on some other things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got the private and, and instrument and commercial over the years. And so CFI is going to be the next step. I'm, I'm out of currency at the moment. So um, I've had some talks with some of the instructors at a, at a flight school here uh, just north of town and uh, needing to kind of get the get the rust off a bit. Um, but I'm hoping to move on to CFI and uh, get back in the swing of things. Um, I've been up a couple of times in the in the last couple of years or so and recognize that I could still hold altitude and hold heading and things like that. So the rust isn't too far gone. I think mainly it's uh, a lot of uh, book work and things like that. I know um, the last time I was flying actively, PTS was still a thing. Now it's uh, ACS. That could, so a little bit of different you know, regulatory things. But um, yeah, I don't think it'll take too much to get back in the game. So I guess I have to correct you. Are a commercial pilot, and uh, you are a yeah. rusty pilot that's actually back in the game, which is really cool to see. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, you know, if you want to learn about ACS, we have a great episode. If you go back and listen to uh, 
you know, Eric, he actually put a, Eric Crump put together a great presentation on ACS. He was very much involved in that. So uh, if you're wondering what we're talking about, you know, check it out. Uh, the Airman Certification Standards. It's a really, really interesting podcast. But anyway, Sean, uh, now you're out in uh, Utah and uh, you had this very fortunate event because of your position uh, with the local television station. So tell us a little bit about how you were able to actually get yourself into a seat on an F-16, because we all want to know so we can try to get an <laughs> F-16 ourselves. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That was one of the things when I, I kind of stumbled into the TV news job. Um, you know, you always, if you're into aviation and air shows, you always see the local reporters in the backseat of a Thunderbird or a Blue Angel uh, when, when things come to town. So I always kind of thought, well, you know, I never became a fighter pilot, so the only way into the cockpit is just to, you know, keep plugging away at this uh, TV reporter thing, and maybe it'll happen one day. So uh, I moved out here to Utah uh, in January, um, and turns out we've got an Air Force base just up the road, Hill Air Force Base. And they've uh, they've been, since the F-16 came online uh, back in the late 70s, they've been an F-16 base. And they are uh, transitioning now, and actually finished the transition to F-35s. And so... Um, this actually, the, this assignment came from, uh, from one of our producers. Uh, she texted me one day and she said, uh, Hey Sean, have you ever been in an F-16? And I just was like, no, <laughs> why? <laughs> Thinking that maybe something might be in the works. So, um, you know, I was, I was lucky enough. They knew I had uh, a passion for airplanes and aviation and, um, had planned to do this sort of farewell to the F-16, uh, series. And uh, and just figured I'd be the uh, the right person to do it. So um, I had been on base uh, a couple of times for other just you know little sort of day of stories. Um, so I was a little bit familiar with some of the the PR people up there. Um, and so uh, my producer got in touch with the people that she knows there and uh, got the ball rolling. And I didn't talk about it for a long time because I was afraid that if I got too excited about it or told a lot of people about it, something would happen and the uh, the ride would go away. So. I didn't say anything publicly about it until the morning of, um, and even up until I was I was ready, up until we hit the runway uh, for the possibility that you know they would have to cut the flight for some reason. I did not want to get myself too excited because I didn't want to deal with the disappointment. <laughs> um, but yeah, it happened. And so it was awesome. In in getting prepared for this flight, there's some things you had to do. I mean, you can't just jump into an F-16 and throw on, on that suit. I mean, you were all suited up, looked pretty cool, and uh, looked like a fighter pilot. Did You know, what goes into actually that ride? I mean, you can't just go ahead and do it. They have to prepare you, I'm assuming. Yeah, um, there were a couple of things. I went to my own doctor to get a you know, kind of a physical uh, letter that says, you know, um, Sean is, is cleared medically to fly. Had to go to an Air Force doctor on base, get the same thing. Um, I, I was pretty close on the, uh, the hip to head height. Um, I couldn't have taken very much more out of, uh, I'd have been out of their parameters for flying. I'm kind of a tall guy. So I was lucky that I came in just under the limit. Um, so I had to do those two things and then I had to go, um, I was up at Hill Air Force Base the day before, uh, for, um, pretty much a full day of training when it came to the, um, ejection seat and how to, uh, how to handle all your, your, um, ejection gear, how to land. Um, they, you know, one, of, you know, besides actually being in the airplane, one of the most fun things was practicing hitting the ground. If you had to actually eject, you'd, you'd jump off this, eh, two and a half, three foot high platform and learn how to hit your, your toes, ankles, knees, hips, and shoulders so that you don't break anything if you do have to eject and, and land on the ground. Um, so there was that, um, you know, a little bit of a, a survival course. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun cause I was in there with, um, you know, I was the only civilian in there. Everybody else was, uh, you know, a lot of airmen who were getting incentive rides. Um, so it was kind of cool to be in that environment, um, and kind of recognized how privileged I was to be in that environment. Well, that's pretty awesome. As far as during that process, I know of a lot of people have been asked to actually go up and fly. And like you said, you didn't want to get too excited because I know a few people have had to been turned down for it because of more so physical things, you know, that you, you realize that, hey, you know, if you have too high blood pressure or whatever, you, you can't go up. And, and that's kind of a disappointment for some people, but it's just such a blessing to be able to do such a thing. And it, it's awesome that you were able to do this. Now, that whole process, that took hours, I guess, to get ready. 
Yeah, um, there was the you know the the day before I was on base the whole day. Um, also getting fitted for all the uh, the flight suit, um, the the helmet, uh, all that stuff. The, <laughs> I have a picture on my phone. My favorite thing was uh, the day before the flight. Um, they you know they were in kind of the locker room where everybody gets ready, and I actually. <laughs> You know, it wasn't the most official thing. It was my name on a piece of duct tape. But for 24 hours, I had a locker in that uh, in that locker room along with, the, you know, the actual fighter pilot. So I was like, all right, that's that's pretty cool. But, yeah, so um, an hour or so of, of getting all this stuff fitted the day before and then the morning of the flight, um, getting fitted with the, the G suit, um, the helmet, all that stuff. It's it's a production. I mean, I guess once you are used to it and you pretty much have all the things figured out, it's a lot more you know easy to get everything on and walk out to the airplane. But when you're just a, a newbie like me trying to get it all on, <laughs> it's, it's a process. And I'm sure everyone who's familiar with it just sits back and laughs. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, Sean. Let's let's just roll some tape here, real quick, from your ride. I know that. Uh, oh, and if you want to watch the video, don't forget to go to the website at uh, Stuck Mike Avcast. It's episode one fifty six. We'll have uh, a long video there. We're just gonna uh, a short little peek into to your experience there. So, uh, Mr. Producer, could you roll the tape? We can throw numbers and facts and figures at you all day long to tell you what the F-16 is like, but the only way to really understand is to go get in the cockpit. It's one of the sweetest looking jets, one of the most beautiful aircraft out there. Lieutenant Colonel James Flash Frickle has flown the F-16 for 20 years, but he's had his eye on jets for about as long as he can remember. Kindergarten, I wanted to be a farmer. And then uh, first grade, from then on, I wanted to be a pilot. He's the commander of the 466th Fighter Squadron and the pilot taking me up. It's like putting on snow pants. There's a pre-flight briefing. These are some cute bags, but I'll give you a Ziploc. It's a little better. Then, climb into the jet. Pilots say their first flight in the Viper leaves a pretty strong impression. It handles like a dream. It's a sports car. Uh, It's a fighter pilot's dream. For an aviation enthusiast with the childhood dream of flying in a jet like this, it should leave a pretty big impression on me, too. It's hard to describe that feeling. The Viper can take up to 9 Gs, but Flash didn't push it that high. Even so, that initial pull-up really sets the tone. On our way to the operations area, we flew in formation with Danger, another F-16 pilot. Then a couple of new F-35s formed up on our wing. These are the fighter jets taking the place of all the F-16s at Hill Air Force Base. After a couple of minutes of formation flying, those 35s are gone and the maneuvers begin. Flash begins with a hard turn to the left, then a harder one to the right. We were pulling G's our camera, couldn't quite handle. And we drop to a few hundred feet off the ground, hundreds of miles per hour, and pull straight up. G-suits prevent too much blood from leaving our brains, so we won't pass out during high-G maneuvers. After about an hour of demonstrating what the F-16 can do in flight, we head back to Hill Air Force Base. It's hard to process everything happening around you during a flight like that. It's not really until after you're back on the ground that you can start to appreciate what you just experienced. One thing I do know is that bag came back empty. It's back on the ground here inside Hill Air Force Base. It was an amazing ride. No puke in the bag, thankfully. Came down with a clean cockpit. We were pretty lucky because that was one of the last two-seat F-16 rides here at Hill Air Force Base. All the F-16s will be done at Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico by the end of the month. At Hill Air Force Base, Sean Moody, KSL 5 News. Gosh, uh, Sean, you know, after listening to that, it sounds like you were pretty darn excited. Uh, uh, I, I really, I, I watched the whole video prior to this, and I watched, uh, actually had a couple videos that I watched from your Facebook page, and uh, that was pretty neat. So so now that we've actually heard a little bit of the excitement in your voice and, and what you've done during that whole whole journey, tell us a little bit about flying the F-16 and, and compare it to the, the last plane that you actually flew. <laughs> it's a little bit faster and a little bit more maneuverable. Um, no, it was it was wild. <laughs> uh, the 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 cool thing about that is just 
for someone who who hasn't been in the flying game as much lately and all the flying I'm used to is 108 knots in a Skyhawk, um, you know, going out in that thing, we were out in the Utah test and training range, which is in the West Desert of Utah. Um, they do have some supersonic routes. And so at one point we were supersonic, you know, everything, you know, between the speed and the G's and the earth spinning around, it's one of those things where you really can't process and appreciate everything that's happening in real time. Um, it's just all coming at you so fast that you're just trying to kind of stay ahead of it and, and appreciate it while you're uh, in the moment. Um, but the, the, the G's were amazing. I think we got up to about six and a half. Um, the F-16 can take up that high. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we got up off the runway. We didn't do that unrestricted takeoff like you see sometimes because we do have a class uh, Bravo airport nearby. So we kind of did a little bit easier climb out until we got out away from everything else. And then uh, he kind of turned it loose. Um, but we did uh, kind of a, I believe it was a four and a half G turn and then turned around to a five and a half G turn to kind of get me acclimated um, before we did, uh, you know, kind of getting up to a few hundred, uh, a few hundred knots and then pulling vertical. And the, the cool thing was the G's, I, 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 we never got uh, so hard that I passed out. Plus I had a G suit on, so that helped as well. Um, but what was cool was with respect to the G's, I only felt them all that dramatically as the pull-up was happening. Um, so once you're, once we were vertical and not changing pitch, you don't really, at least I didn't feel the G's all that much. It kind of just became a lot easier ride. You still feel the speed, but you're not getting pushed down in that seat because, you know, your, your pitch is pretty much staying the same at that point. But, um, it was just an absolute, you know, roller coaster doesn't even begin to describe the the sensations that come with that and um brought back an, an empty six sack so that was that was a success <laughs> as far as i was concerned well congratulations i know when we listen to that video it, you have to go see it because watching you get squashed in the seat was really cool uh that video camera was actually placed there by the air force or did you pl- place that in the aircraft uh, we placed them. Um, we had a couple. Uh, one of them was on a it was like a clamp with an arm on it, and then the other one they actually had like a little GoPro rail built built in. Um, they had uh, I don't know if they have one or two uh, two seat F-16s there, but I think they use them fairly regularly for for that kind of thing. So they had the GoPro mount built in. Um, so I cut together uh, video from a couple of cameras there, and. Um, yeah, it was just <laughs> what was frustrating was I couldn't see what I was shooting. So every now and then I was adjusting the camera and just, you know, kind of the, the point and pray kind of like I hope that what <laughs> I think is in frame is actually in frame. And it, for the most part, it was there were a couple of times where, you know, my head was just on the edge of the frame. I'd like to have centered it up a little bit better, but eh, I'll certainly take what we got. Um, and another cool thing about the ride too, we, we talked about how the, uh, the F 16s are being replaced by F 35s there. They actually had some F 35s operating nearby. And, uh, so we actually got to fly in formation with those. There was, uh, initially another F 16 off our wing and then a couple of F 35s came in and I, you know, to be able to be in flight in an F 16 and looking off the wing and seeing an F 35 sitting right there, it was, yeah, something I never would have imagined seeing with my own eyes. And it makes for a great Facebook photo, and I think you should leave that up forever. <laughs> that was like such a yeah. That's totally never cool. coming down. No, no, definitely not. As a matter of fact, we'll we'll put it on the, the on the post for this. It it actually is really cool to see that. You know, go, going back to what you were saying about flying the aircraft, I know there's some things that are very unique about this aircraft. As as a matter of fact, it's like one of the first planes I made a model of as a child. And when I really got into making models, this is in the 70s when they started coming out with this. And uh, it was cool because the first ones like were red, white, and blue. They had like red wings and blue on the top and all. And it was really neat. Uh, they talked about this thing called fly-by-wire. And when I was young, I didn't understand that at all. And, you know, of course, I flew by wire because I had a model airplane. I had a wire attached and I flew it around my room. <laughs> so I'm thinking as a young child, that's what they mean. But it, it totally isn't anything like that. So take us a, a little bit through the, the experience of what this fly-by-wire is and uh, and how they explained it to you and what it, what it felt like if you were able to actually move the controls. I guess you got to move the controls on the ground. Yeah, they had a little mock-up, uh, you know, kind of training how to get in and out of the cockpit um, so that you didn't, you know, fall down the ladder trying to get in. And um, I, I had always heard of the concept fly-by-wire and was kind of familiar with how it worked from a, from a book standpoint, but had never actually in practice felt it. 
And what shocked me was how little play there was in the stick. Um, it didn't move more than, you know, I wouldn't say more than an inch in any direction. So you just tell it, you know, you, you move the stick wherever you want to go and it just determines how much it's going to give as far as elevator or aileron. And, and, um, it's just amazing, especially this is 1970s technology, uh, that something like that, uh, was able to be developed back then with these, you know, computer sensors saying, well, the pilot's giving this input, how fast are we going? You know, how many G's are we pulling? What can we give the airplane that's not going to bend it? And uh, it was pretty incredible to kind of, you know, kind of put that stick in your hand and just, you know, imagine what it would be like to be going hundreds of miles an hour and, and pull that thing. Um, it's it's pretty incredible technology, especially considering when it was developed. Interestingly, I actually fly the first uh, fly-by-wire, you know, Airbus and uh, aircraft. And what what's amazing is, and you just said it, you, you move it slightly. Now with the Airbus, we can move a little bit more than I think you were doing, as far as you know, maybe an inch or two each way. But it really doesn't take much at all. As a matter of fact, if you slam it to the stop, quote unquote stop, uh, it'll actually interject and say, "Hey, wait a minute, guys, uh, you're going to overstress us, and we don't like that. So we're going to slow that down a bit. So we're not going to really push it all the way over, especially in an Airbus. But with the with the F sixteen. Uh, I've heard, and I do this myself, you can actually use your, your finger and, and fly the aircraft. I actually can do that with the, the Airbus, which is quite amazing. I don't, I don't know if they ever they demonstrated that, but it, it's just so light on the controls, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it, it felt, you know, being in the back seat uh, as they were climbing out, just like it was on rails. I mean, it, it just, it was the smoothest ride I've ever had in an airplane. Um, and it was it was late July, um, so you know you you wonder if you're going to get a little bit of bumpiness and thermals and that kind of thing. And if there were any, I didn't feel it. We sliced right through them, maybe, but uh, it was it absolutely just did feel like it was on rails. I never felt, you know, n- none of the outside of the the you know the the rolls and the hard turns. Um, it, nothing the pilot was doing felt like it was you know uh, abrupt or jerky. It was just the smoothest ride, you know. And I'm sure a lot of Kudos go to the, the the pilot as well, not just the airplane, but uh, the Lieutenant Colonel uh, Flash who was flying me was, you know, between the airplane and and the the guy up front, it was just a, a dream ride. So before we go into the, the the a little more history as far as the aircraft and also some more questions, uh, just so people understand that are listening, this fly by wire technology. Uh, there's basically a computer between the control that you're holding, which is a side stick in the F-16, the same thing in the Airbus, and the it's a it's basically like a rheostat, and you actually move the stick, and then it sends a command to the computer. The computer then tells the flight controls what to do. There is no other than a wire. There is no physical attachment to the flight controls from the actual side stick. And that's pretty darn wild for a lot of pilots out there to realize that there is no way to physically control that aircraft except through the computers on board. So you really want to make sure all the computers are working, and that's why it's so much tougher to get moving on an aircraft and get started right away on an aircraft that has all these computers involved. You know, another aircraft that just has physical controls, it's easy. You jump in and... You just go fly. So uh, so if you've ever had that experience to be able to get into a simulator and see what fly-by-wire is like, it's really cool. It prevents you from overstressing the aircraft. It prevents you from stalling the aircraft. It does a lot for you. That That is for you. Uh, that is, that is just, just amazing to have something like that. I know aircraft are trying to go that way more with general aviation, but uh, there's be a little bit too much to put that in an aircraft. I know they have some other things that do help us out, like uh, trying to, you know, recover from unusual attitudes that type of thing uh but i know but before we go on to the you know uh, some of the questions i know we have a lot of them the the reason though and let's stress this because we want to make sure we get this correct uh the f-16 is is leaving hill air force base but it's not it's not leaving uh the air force at all and it's actually been pushed off i think till 2048 i think they said they're going to continue to actually support it and it's also going to be sold worldwide so Tell us again what what is that? What do they call that flight again when when it leaves an a uh, an air force base? Yeah, they called this the um, the Viper out. Um, so if you're familiar with the F-16, you know the official designation is the Fighting Falcon. 
but most of the pilots call it the Viper. Uh, my understanding is that um, it was delivered without an official name, and the pilots all thought it looked like a snake, so they just called it the Viper, and then Fighting Falcon came, ahead, came along, but they never called it that. Um, so they've got this Viper out ceremony, and, and they actually uh, transitioned. They're all gone from hell now as far as the, the fighter squadrons there. Um, they left in September. But um, they actually uh, moved from Hill Air Force Base down to Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico. And one of the things that's interesting about Hill is they also have a, a big maintenance depot there. And so there will still be F-16s coming in and out of the base. They just won't be based there, but they'll still come in to get work done on them. Um, all different aircraft from all across the uh, all branches. It's cool, you know, even though they won't live here anymore like they have since 1979, uh, the people who are used to seeing them overhead will still get to see them from time to time. Sean, that's so cool. Um, so I've, I've always wanted to uh, do the same thing you did is get into an F-16. And the closest I've gotten is to uh, actually fly with a couple of guys who um, were F-16 pilots. And I just bombarded them full of questions. And two of the things that I, I heard about the F-16 that, that were quite interesting to me were, first of all, it's visibility. When you're sitting in the cockpit, how much you can see out of that canopy. And that's what's one of the things it's known for. And the other thing that I want to know about is, like, uh, what was it like landing? Because uh, I think the two pilots I talked to said it was try like trying to land a cinder block with wings. <laughs> um, I, you know, I... It was a sturdy, a firm landing. I can say that if you if you look at the video, you can see the uh, the little tire puffs, and you can see the uh, the wingtip vortices kind of curl around. Um, but it wasn't a hard landing. Uh, it was it was firm, um, and it, it you know I was also <laughs> that was of course the end of the flight where I was starting to starting to not see straight anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it they they handled it masterfully. Um, so, you know, all I could kind of speak to is, is the way I felt with them, uh, them in control and, and totally felt uh, in control to me and, and smooth as could be. And then just a, a you know, nice firm planning of the mains on the runway. Uh, and the visibility really was uh, – so I've never – I'm racking my brain right now. I, I've, I've flown in an RV once, an RV-12. That's the only time I've ever flown in an airplane that had kind of a kind of a bubble. Um, and so to go from flying mainly a high-wing 172 – and having, you know, you could look down and see the ground really easily and look forward uh, and to the side, but you couldn't see around all that well. So to go from that to being in the canopy of the F-16 was uh, was something I've, you know, never have experienced before. And it was amazing. And, of course, the maneuverability, you know, rolling over and then looking down next to you and you can see just all this expanse of the Utah desert uh, out beneath you. Um, yeah, if, if I could uh, fly in something like that every day and have views like that every day, I would be a happy man. We'll try to get you a job at the Air Force Base so you can actually go do that quite often, especially maybe test flying some of the aircraft because they're coming there for, for maintenance. Uh, hey, there you go. I, I'm, I, may, I may be coming in a bit too late for that, but uh, if there's a way, I'll take it. But, uh, you know, that that is awesome, though. It's I'm glad to hear that they're coming back for the maintenance flights, et cetera. And, uh, you know, Tom, you pointed out that it kind of lands like a brick and and they have quote unquote solid landings. That's something that uh, is different. You know, you have to stick it right on the point with the with the uh, any in the military and also in the in the airlines, et cetera. But uh, really, the important part is to get it right in the spot on the runway. It's uh, not so much uh, greasing it on every time. That's that's for darn sure. Um, you know, one of the things that kind of came to mind, you know, when when Tom was talking, is the fact that. You know, these guys go through all this training, and do they they mention how long some of those folks had been there, and how long it takes them to to really get to this point of being able to fly such a fighter? The ones that they paired me up with were some of the higher rankings. So they'd been in twenty years or so. Um, they were you know squadron commanders. So I, I was lucky. I mean, I got to fly with some pretty impressive uh, people up front, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, but yeah, they had been in. Um, I believe both of them around 20 years. I, I flew with one and, and was, you know, interviewing with another one. I keep saying them. Um, but, uh, they, I'm trying to remember how long it took them to get through all the training. Um, and I don't know that I know the answer to that specifically. Um, but, uh, yeah, I wish I could remember an exact number on, on how long I would guess, you know, I, I would guess a year, year and a half or so, but uh, but that's just a guess. Which I know is just a couple hundred hours in some cases of actual flying time that they actually get to solo a fighter, which is kind of cool, which is it was really really awesome. But uh, yeah, 
You know, Vic, I know you had a few more questions for, for Sean. Yeah, I was glad you asked about the pilots. I was kind of curious how when you went flying, you know, was it more of a professional relationship or are they gonna, were they like, hey, we're going to have fun with this newbie in the back? <laughs> um, I think they, you know, they, they didn't want to, uh, they, they wanted to give me as much as I wanted, I think. Um, so they didn't want to give me a bad ride. But if I wanted them to push it a little bit harder, they would have. Um, the The cool thing was uh, this was a, a flight kind of for this story. And um, so they were kind of like, well, what would you like to do? And um, and so that was cool. You know, there were a couple of different options. One of them was going to be uh, potentially a refueling flight. So we would have pretty much stuck right to the to the mission plan for that one. This one was more of a let's just go on up, go out to the uh, the test and training range and just show what the airplane can do. Um, so, you know, while it would have been really cool to, to see a refueling mission from inside the, uh, the jet, I was thankful that it ended up being a flight where it was just, you know, kind of, um, let's just take an hour, go out and show you what this thing does. And, um, and he, he, I, I felt bad. I'll, I'll admit this here that, um, as we were kind of approaching the end of the flight, uh, a couple of times, um, the, the pilot flash, he offered, he was like, well, you want to, you know, we could do a few more loops, a few more rolls, uh, you know, we can head on back. And at that point my body was feeling it and I hadn't gotten sick. And I said, you know, your cockpit is still clean and I feel like I don't want to get it dirty. So <laughs> we should probably head on back in. And I, I got just over an hour of, uh, of time in the cockpit, which, you know, I, I could never ask for anything more than that. So yeah, we might've gotten a few more minutes. Uh, but I, I feel like they, it would have pushed me over the edge if we'd uh, done much else. Do you think your experience uh, of being a pilot kind of gave you more appreciation for this than anyone else who would have flown it? I think so. Um, you know, knowing what it, it means to me, I mean, being in a, in a fighter jet would have been a dream of mine. You know, military wasn't really a, a route that um, that would have worked well for me. And so, you know, I wasn't ever going to be a fighter pilot. So to have the dream of being in a jet and have people I work with who kind of recognize that that was going to mean that much to me and, and to, you know, kind of talk with some of the pilots beforehand. I, I had talked to a couple of them um, when we did interviews on base before the day we flew. So I'd already built up a little bit of a rapport with them. Um, and that, you know, it's kind of, they were familiar with my aviation background, so they kind of knew what it would mean to me. And so I, I think that they, you know, I, I think they enjoyed the opportunity to kind of be part of that as well. You know, they get to fly those things all the time, but it's not too often that they get to share it with somebody new. So, you know, I, I like to think that it was fun for them too. Excellent. Um, any any takeaways, like surprises, something that shocked you, unexpected about the whole experience? Um, I, I, I fully expected to pass out and puke, and <laughs> neither of those two things happened. Um, you know, the, the pilots told me that it's when it comes to getting sick, it's about 50-50, they said. Um, you know, so that I, I was prepared, and it would have been absolutely worth it either way. Um, you know... I think one of the things that shocked me was just how absolutely rock solid smooth the thing was at, you know, at any speed, any attitude. Um, it's, it was just so smooth and felt like the thing was just on a track going through the sky. Um, you know, that, and then, you know, just the, the sheer visuals were unbelievable. I mean, I don't know if how many of our listeners live in Utah or have ever visited Utah. It's not a state I knew much about before I moved here, but it's a beautiful state. And to fly over it, you know, a few thousand feet above it or, you know, a few hundred feet above it in this training area, um, those visuals are something that I will never, ever forget. One of the things that is really neat about the airbase there, and we really appreciate everybody at Hill Air Force Base. I mean, the it is huge. The amount of people that have to be placed there to keep this ball rolling, to keep maintenance there, to keep these birds flying, F-35s, et cetera. You, it's, a, it's a busy place. I don't know if you, what it was like when you drove on the base, but I'm, I'm sure, it's, it, to me, it's always exciting to see. And it's, it's a buzz of activity. So tell us a little bit about that, Sean. I mean, what was your experience just coming into the airport base? Yeah, it's um, like you said, it's a really busy place. They've got uh, a couple of fighter wings. They've got the air logistics complex, and they've got a uh, an air wing that handles the testing and training range. 
Um, so it's, it's a city up there and, and, you know, a lot of the economic, you know, activities there contribute to the, to the greater area. Um, I, I'm trying to remember exactly how many people they employ, but it's many thousands of people, uh, from the local area. So that base is, is huge. Um, I remember, you know, I had lunch one of the days I was up there at the, uh, little PX. I say little, I mean, it's like a shopping mall. You would think you were in the, you know, I, I try to imagine what it would have been like if you had been on a base in a foreign country and walked into one of these places. And it's like you're walking into any any mall in America. Um, and there are so many different things happening there. I mentioned the um, you know you've got the fighter wings, and then you've got the the um, logistics complex, which handles A tens, C one thirties, F twenty twos. I think it's it's such a neat mix of uh, of airplanes all around there. Um, and it's, it's, you know, everybody's busy doing their thing and it's just neat sometimes when you're riding through just to kind of look around and, and appreciate all the work that everybody's doing up there. And, you know, also recognize that you, you, when you get an experience like this, you almost feel a little bit of guilt because you know that most of the people who work there every day, uh, would love to be able to have an experience like that and, and, and they don't get to do it. And just, I just happen to be lucky enough to be in the profession that, you know, gets to do that thing from time to time. Um, when I, uh, posted the story, um, someone was talking about like, well, the people that, you know, work on these don't get to fly. And I said, well, I, I recognize that and I appreciate what they do. And I just hope I had enough fun for them too, while I was up there. Uh, that's very well said. I tell you, one of the things that really impresses me about Hill, I know a little bit about it because, uh, actually my father-in-law was a chief master sergeant there and he actually was in charge of the the museum at at one point uh they actually are in charge of over a million acres they oversee i should say over a million acres and with that there's over 21,000 people that they actually employ both within the military and outside the military and uh, there's a couple fighter wings there uh active duty the, the was it 419th is out there and it's phenomenal what they the impact they have on the local community and the people all throughout Utah. And my hats off to those folks. They actually were recently, uh, like you said, I think they were deployed. The F-35s were just deployed, I think, uh, within the past week out of Hill. And that's that, right. Yeah, they're in the Pacific now. And that's okay. So they're in the Pacific now. Great. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what's really cool is actually following them. And if you ever get a chance, I don't know if they, they mentioned this, but. What a phenomenal museum that they have there! Did you get a chance to actually go and check it out? I've been there. Yeah, um, wasn't wasn't during all this, but actually a few months earlier, um, took some time, drove up. It's at the north end of the base, and uh, and it's it's incredible. It's you know I've been to Wright Patterson, so you know it's it's hard to compare to that one, but this is you know easily second best as far as I'm concerned. Um, just gorgeous, and I saw on Facebook. Yesterday, they just got a Thunderbird F-16 in that they're working on. Um, and it's, you know, like 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 Wright-Patterson, it's free admission. So if you're in the area, I highly, highly recommend uh, going up there and checking it out. And you were talking, Carl, about kind of the, the economic impact of the base. One of the interesting things they're doing right now is uh, they're calling it a mixed-use lease. So they're bringing in, um, leasing out area of the base that's underutilized as far as the Air Force is concerned. They're leasing it to, um, in some cases, contractors that do aerospace, that kind of thing, and letting them kind of build on the base land to create their own, you know, whatever it is they do. And then they let the Air Force use some of the office space in there. So they're replacing some of those old. They had these like 1940s munitions hangars that are now converted into office space. And so they're trying to modernize a lot of this stuff, and um, they've been trying it, I think, in bases across the country, and and they're doing a whole lot of it at Hill right now, where they'll, you know, find some of that underutilized land, let a contractor come in and build a building, let the Air Force use some of that office space, and then bring in um, aerospace contractors that are now working, you know, right there alongside the people who are flying the airplanes instead of being in some other state somewhere. So they're talking about how it kind of streamlines the operation too. So it's interesting to kind of watch how the economics change around the base as we go into the future. And within the museum, they actually go through some of that. I'm not sure they have the most current, but all the, you know, the beginnings of the base and all throughout the different wars and uh, talks about the Air Force in general. But but what's really cool is is the impact that it's having, but also, uh, and you're seeing this throughout the country, the, the joint use we're seeing with these bases and uh, civilian businesses, and it is absolutely phenomenal. I, and I, I'm glad because it keeps the base open. It also contributes incredibly to the local community. 
if you ever get a chance, though, you got to see the museum. If you're in Utah, there's some beautiful places within Utah. But one thing that strikes me when I walk into any of the Air Force museums, uh, <laughs> you can eat off the floor, it seems. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. You can see that they put a lot of money, effort, and they have a lot of pride in what they do in these museums. And within the Utah Museum, uh, if you get a chance, check out, like, the, they actually have the Utah Aviation Hall of Fame is, is actually housed within there. Uh, so they do partner up with other organizations. They have the Women Air Force Service Pilots Exhibit that's just amazing. And uh, just really neat things through the jet age and explaining the F-16. Of course, they can explain that very well because it's there. But I also like the fact that when I went in there, I almost felt like I was in a, you know, like one of those Disney-type exhibits where it was, it made me feel like I was actually at, a, at an operating airfield in certain parts of it. Uh, and, you know, hats off to the military for actually doing that and being being out there and and keeping history alive through through these museums and also contributing to our local society so if you if you get a chance guys you really got to go there it's it's a really really cool place and uh and the price is actually really cheap uh i think it's actually free from what i remember and uh you know of course a lot of these are are free we've paid through i guess through our taxes but it's a wonderful wonderful exhibit i think everybody should see you know getting back to to what you said there on the F-35, uh, I think one of the things that we're going to need to do is get an update on that. And uh, I was wondering, Sean, would you be willing to maybe do a flight in an F-35 for us so we can actually <laughs> report back to the Stuck Mike Avcast on that? The, the day they build a two-seat F-35 and let a reporter in the back seat, I will be all about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's that's hope the they thing. do that. Yeah, there's no yeah, two-seaters. Yeah, right now they're all single-seat. Um, and that's the other thing interesting, too. The first solo flight uh, or the, you know, the first flight for any of these F-35 pilots is their their first solo because there's not any two seat 35s um so yeah one day maybe we'll we'll see <laughs> <laughs> well one day you actually one of the cool things about where you are right now sean is i think it's wonderful you're at hill but there is so much there. I mean, so many air, you know, air bases, and also there's so much civilian flying that goes on where you are. I mean, you have uh, right there was it uh, Wendover was out that way, and you also have uh, some of the other uh, air. Uh, what's the one that goes over the hill that I'm trying to think? Uh, oh gosh, and now I can't remember. But it's it's a beautiful uh, air. Uh, that's a civilian field, it, I should say. Is it Heber City? Yeah, that's it, Heber City. Thank you so Heber much. City, yeah. What a what a pretty little town. I remember mm-hmm. uh, just driving up through the hills into Heber City, and there's a couple aerobatic teams that actually house there. Uh, have you had a chance to get out to some of these different uh, general aviation fields within that area? Uh, I've been to a couple. Um, there's one down in Spanish Fork, uh, which is south of here in Utah County, um, and there's some incredible general aviation and experimental aviation happening there. Um, you, there was a, a story I did about a, a forced landing in a field with one of the pilots who was based out of there, and um, you know, you you show up for the for the forced landing coverage, and thankfully the pilot came out. You know, he he put it down beautifully, walked away, did a great job. And in, in covering that story, you, you learn about the community down there. And uh, they just have some unbelievable, you know, cool stuff going on in there. So I'm hoping to do some, some more stories about the, the uh, experimental aviation that's happening down there. So stay tuned on that one. Uh, definitely will. And uh, Spanish Fork actually has a little special place in my heart. My The first uh, Czech airman I ever had in a jet was actually uh, from Spanish Fork. And uh, I spent some time actually flying out of... Uh, out of Utah and out of Salt Lake City. What a beautiful place to fly. And uh, the terrain, it changes, it's dramatic, and the colors are just wonderful. Uh, I think you were talking before, it's a wonderful place to visit. You can go up into the hills and hike around and then be down in the valley and, and having a whole different weather system actually walking down and into these different airfields. It's it's really phenomenal, I think. It really is. I, I came out here, I had a couple of buddies who lived here, and I knew nothing about Utah. And uh, getting out here, driving around it, flying above it, it's just gorgeous. Like you mentioned, it's, the city itself, Salt Lake City, is right up against the foothills of the Wasatch Mountains. And it's just just gorgeous. Um, you know, within 10 minutes, you can be from downtown up hiking in the foothills. Uh, you know, 40 minutes, you can be up in the canyons at the, at the world-famous ski resorts. Uh, you know, 45 minutes up to Park City. Um, yeah, if you're, if you're looking to go somewhere pretty... Go uh, go check out Utah. Give me a shout. 
And some of the really cool things to do there is not just, you know, airplanes, but also sail planes. I, there's some really long sailplane flights that have happened over the Wasatch Mountains, uh, especially out of Heber and over that whole area there. You can look it up on YouTube. I've seen like two-hour flights over that area. It's absolutely stunning. So uh, uh, I'm, I'm just so jealous that you've actually made it out there to, to Utah. But I am going to take you up on the on uh, heading out and doing some GA flying yeah. sometime. And uh, it has its challenges, though, with all the hills, uh, especially, you know, in a 172, et cetera. So yeah. you really, um, I know there's a lot more challenges, especially compared to, say, where I am in Florida, uh, IFR flying. You know, just yeah. a lot of times it's it, the hills and also icing, right? Icing and, and just the, the elevation. Um, you know, I learned to fly in in lexington kentucky and jacksonville florida uh two places that are not very high elevation so density altitude and things like that were always pretty much just theoretical to me it wasn't anything that ever really stopped me from going flying and i haven't i haven't done uh much in the way of flying here yet since i've been here but i understand there you know there are days where it's just it's that hot in the summertime combined with the elevation that you know for a couple hours in the afternoon you're not going up Let's, speaking of going up, um, now that you've flown the F-16, what's next? I mean, what's next in, in, in Sean <laughs> Moody's aviation adventures? Because it's really cool watching you on Facebook. Oh, well, yeah, it's 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 fun living it. Uh, you know, I, I, on the GA side, I'd love to, to get a little more active in uh, training for the CFI and and kind of doing a little more regular flying. On the, on the work side, Hill Air Force Base has an air show every two years. I moved here in one of the off years, so I uh, expect to have one next summer. And, you know, hey, if, if, uh, if a jet team uh, decides to come on out, you know, obviously we're an Air Force base, uh, but I think the Blue Angels also come from time to time. Um, if I can find my way back into the backseat of a fighter jet again, it might seem unfair to the people who haven't been in one, but I'll still, <laughs> I'll still put my, uh, my name in the hat for that. Oh, okay, cool. Well, that's uh, actually really exciting to have you there. So maybe, uh, possibly, we could maybe hear some more reporting on the Stuck Mike Avcast. I know you have your regular job with the, the media there, and uh, and you do a great job out there. I think that's really cool. Plus, it's cool to have somebody within the media that uh, understands the difference between a 747 <laughs> and a Piper Cub. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes you watch stories about aviation, you're like, oh, no, no, no. The engine didn't stall. Um, so... <laughs> I try and be one of the good reporters. Um, so yeah, uh, but I, I share the uh, cringing when you hear someone report on aviation who's not familiar with it. Yeah, and then, and there's a lot of cringing that goes on, but I understand, uh, and it's great to have a resource like you that's inside. What's really cool is that there are a lot of reporters that actually do have some experience flying, and it's neat to hear from them and uh, the fact that they actually know a little bit about the aviation world. Uh, and it's really what's it's exciting too is the fact that they're you know like yourself you're paying it forward you're coming onto podcasts like this and talking about your experiences flying the F16 and the different things that you're doing in the aviation world and I think that's that's really really cool. Well, gosh, Sean, you know this is a most of what we have time wise. And be, but before we go, just uh, tell us a little bit about how we might be able to get in touch with you. And also, uh, I'll have some of the videos uh, on our website. Uh, but if they want to follow what you're doing in the media, et cetera, we do have to give a shout out to the folks that you work for because they put this all together. Yeah, um, if you, you look at my Facebook page, it's uh, it's pretty easy. It's just Sean Moody, S-E-A-N-M-O-O-D-Y. I think it's a picture of me in a suit with a red tie. Um, and then Twitter. Um, there's the one that I've used for I, – I actually, I'm not very active on it anymore, but my, my aviation one was always Aviation. It's A-V-I-A-S-E-A-N. Uh, but you can also look for me at uh, Sean Moody KSL. Uh, KSL is the station that I uh, report for. Um, so either of those two places, uh, connect with me there. Uh, if you're in the area, shoot me story ideas. Uh, still being new to the area, I always appreciate it when I can uh, get somebody that, that kind of feeds me uh, some stories. Um, but, yeah, and if anyone who listens happens to be in the Utah area, um, yeah, look me up. Well, I tell you what, I think it's, it's a great idea for you to report on the, the next air show. I think they call it the Wings Over, or excuse me, Warriors Over the Wasatch, I think it's called. I think that's it, and, yeah. And uh, it comes up, it's usually in June, and uh, it's a really cool show, and they have a lot of people that show up. Maybe the two of us can uh, 
can actually go out there and report together. That that now there you go. There's something we need to, to promise the listeners that we'll head on out there together and report live, say from the hey, uh, Warriors of I'm the Wasatch. All right, cool. I'm gonna and you to- know what it would be? It would be the first time that I've ever met any of you all in person. Uh, wow, that is true. That oh my gosh, that's Insane. true. Insane. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it it is insane this world yeah. of electronics is just phenomenal i got to meet victoria of course and and uh you know my first experience with her was something else hey carl grab these chairs you know get to work <laughs> but uh, we that's want- what you get for coming to me if yeah. i visit you it's the other way around <laughs> <laughs> we will and sean would promise we won't do that to you if we come out there but uh I mean, it's, it's it's worth it i'll do whatever you guys need I'll come give on you out some hiking some skiing some flying we'll do it all Awesome. Awesome. Sean, you know, it really has been awesome having you back on the show and we miss having you on, on, uh, you know, on a permanent basis, but maybe we'll have you on some more. We'll see what, what yeah. work says. And this has been a blast and just hearing about flying in, in an airplane, whether it's an F-16 or it's, you know, an aerobatic airplane or a seaplane, et cetera, it's all really, really exciting. And one of the things that, yeah, I mean, you, you've really inspired me to do is get out and and try out a new airplane. That's something that I've been looking at doing lately, and I, I think I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh, it's I not, recommend the F-16. I don't think I'm going to be doing the F-16, though, uh, unless it's one of those little toy ones that's running around, but that would be be pretty awesome if I could. Uh, Sean, I really appreciate you being on here, and also you know our other co-hosts here that, that couldn't make it on this evening. Uh, of course, you can find us online. If you want to get in touch with us, by the way, we're trying to uh, – Go to the Facebook page and answer your questions, etc. Contact at stuckmikeavcast.com, but also go to facebook.com slash stuckmikeavcast. And uh, Sean, again, thanks so much for coming on. Hope to see you again soon. And uh, next time, maybe you'll be doing the F-35. Who knows what else? Maybe going up to space, etc. cetera, uh, getting out to the launch sites. And, and we're going to look at some really cool video. Uh, don't forget to click on the video at the bottom of this uh, post here. And don't forget, we always have a video of the week at the bottom. Of course, the video of this week is uh, Sean flying around with the F-16. So really, really cool stuff. Something that got, us, got me excited, and uh, I really want to get out there and fly. Well, folks, that's all we have for this evening. And don't forget to you know, think about what you can do this week to go out and have some fun in flying and flying and pass it along like Sean's done today and, and inspire people to go out and fly. You know, make somebody happy. You know, a big smile on their face, I know, every time I take up people for the first time. Try to get it, reach out to somebody that you know that hasn't flown, hasn't flown some type of airplane that you might be flying, and take them up. Well, folks, safe flying. We'll talk to you next episode. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.